to Me, Myself, and Millie, a podcast about pop culture and hot gossip through the lens of your nosy neighbor. I'm your host, Millie Brooks, and this is episode 34. Wow. What's up, guys? Thanks for being here. Today, we are going to talk to Carissa Barzi from Kansas City, Missouri, all about what it's like to be an infertility influencer. So early on in my own journey, I stumbled upon Carissa's YouTube channel and Instagram account as she was sharing her infertility story. At the time, for myself, it was so wonderful and cathartic to virtually relate to somebody who had already gone through some of the treatments that I was about to start. So again, this journey can be so painful, but when you decide to start sharing it publicly, it can also be really empowering. So we are talking with Carissa today all about her journey and what it's like to work with certain brands, what it's like to have an online presence throughout this crazy process. And we also are going to uncover a small scandal, uh-huh, that happened between her and another infertility influencer. So this episode is so juicy, guys. You're going to love it. Two really important and quick and friendly and loving and nurturing reminders. Um, So next week, episode 35, we are going to dive into the world of surrogacy with my friend Justin Gilman. So stay tuned for that episode. Um, Second announcement is a quick reminder Yeah, this is more a reminder than an announcement. Sorry. Um, If you haven't subscribed to me, myself, and Millie on Apple Podcasts, then you should definitely go do that. If you have 30 seconds to rate and write a review of the show, I'll love you forever. It's easy peasy, lemon squeezy, and it really helps the show. Thanks, guys. Okay, here's Carissa. And we're here with Carissa Barzi. Oh my gosh, Carissa. It's so great to have you on the show. Thanks, Millie. I'm so excited to be here. You know, you are the first person whom I don't know personally, but is internet famous and has agreed to be a guest on Me, Myself, and Millie. I don't know about internet famous, but <laughs> hey, we can be friends now. I always want new friends. <laughs> hey, I'm always looking for a new friend. Um, well, again, thank you. This is awesome. I'm so grateful to like just hear your story and talk to you today. Um, why don't we start with you sharing a little bit about your journey and where you are now in the process? Awesome. Okay. So I am Carissa Barzi, and my husband, Brian, and I have been married for, it'll be six years in August. And we got married, I don't want to say older, but in our culture, um, in our religious culture, it's a little bit older. And so we got married at almost 28. I was like a, a couple months away from 28. And, um, we knew we wanted a big family. And so we're like, well, might as well not stop anything, right? So from the very beginning, when we first got married, we we're like, all right, let's try to get pregnant, you know? 
and six months went by. And me, I'm a little bit of a control freak. And six months went by and there was just no, like, no sign of anything. And so I, you know, saw a doctor. We got on, uh, is it Vitex? And you know what I mean? Like all these natural supplements to help that have helped other people. Because, you know, when your friends, it's worked for them, it must work for you too. Oh, I so know. they think. I know. And oh, I don't want to hear from them at all right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I, so I gave things a try. I'll try this, I'll try that. So, you know, an additional six months and nothing happened. And then it was, okay, the next step, you know, with infertility, it's, it's not, okay, let's do all of this at once. It's, uh, let's go down the list. This, uh, you know, this amount of time. And then if you're not pregnant, then, then surgery, if you're not pregnant, then, then something else, something else. So it's kind of what it was. So we did, uh, an endometriosis surgery, found out I have endo, removed that, tried for another six months. And I was just done. I was like, okay, we need fertility treatment. I'm done. Just, I don't want to just take Clomid or something else. Um, and so I saw a fertility doctor. I, I went <laughs> around my OBGYN and I was just like, what's up fertility doctor? <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you have so to we, bypass them. You right. know, it's just like another hoop and another thing you have to do. And it's like, no, you just got to go straight to the, straight to the source. Right. Totally. And I just felt like something, and maybe had I not had the feeling that something was wrong in a way, I would have stayed with the OBGYN, but I was really trusting my gut. And that's something I really try to share on social media is just to follow your instincts. And so I, I loved my OBGYN who's now retired. Um, but she, uh, and she also said that this fertility doctor here in Kansas City was fantastic. And so I saw him and, you know, we did an IUI. And oh my with God. Letrozole. With a what? And I thought with Letrozole. Okay. Yep. So I thought, oh yeah, no, we're going to get pregnant. No, you totally. know what I mean? Like I was in such a oh, naive you're so space. naive. You're just like, right? oh, this is going to be it. Right. Totally. Yeah. It worked for my friend. It's going to work yeah. for me. I'm going to so, be that 10%, that mm -hmm. one out of 10. <laughs> and I was under the impression that with the IUI, and I don't know if it was just maybe I misunderstood the doctor or what, but I thought it brought me up to like a 25% threshold of getting pregnant. So when it didn't happen and then it didn't happen again, and then it didn't happen. And then the electrozole made me insane. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've never had a worse emotional reaction, mm. <laughs> physical with like my skin, than with letrozole. That's interesting because most people say Clomid, you know, turns them into Medusa. But yeah. you had that reaction with letrozole. Yes. So by the third month, I was sitting, so I used to work for uh, an electronic health record company here in Kansas City, and I hadn't at this point told anybody this is what we were doing. And so, you know, it was all very private. I was very silent about it, and I was sitting at my desk one day, and all of a sudden, I just started bawling. And I have no way, now looking back, it wasn't just, yes, my job was stressful, but it wasn't just that. It was the medication. It was a side effect of the medication, and I just couldn't handle life you know? Mm. And so I actually didn't take Clomid myself. Um, my doctor recommended letrozole. So, um, at that point, after the third time, 
I was just, I had a breakdown. I really did because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to be one of these people that are, is never going to be able to like, when is this road going to end? Yeah. You know? And so you can only honestly, see like 10 feet in front of you. And, and injections terrified me. The idea mm-hmm. of needing to do fertility treatment with injections terrified me. One, I'm terrified of needles. Um, and two, I just, I thought like, you know, this just kind of dampened the spirits a bit because I felt like, well, here we go. This is going to be a long ride, you yeah. know? So I had a breakdown and you, I was with my husband. So all three times we had tested, I was out of town to find out we weren't pregnant. I think, I think at this point, I don't really remember anymore. And it was it's three like IUIs with letrozole. Okay. Got it. Yes. And then we moved on to the injections. So the fall stim and, um, the fourth IUI with letrozole, I mean, with fall stim, we did not get pregnant. The fifth is when we got pregnant. Okay. And it just so happened that by that point, we had already started sharing on YouTube like a month or two before. And um, and were you already on YouTube for a different topic no. or no, you no. Came, you went on YouTube just to share this experience. I yes. love you for that. Oh, thank I you. I really do. I just got to like pipe in and, and say that like, Early on in my journey, when I wanted to connect with people who were going through the same thing and going through the next step that I think I was going to have to do, like the Mm -hmm. IUI stuff, I stumbled upon your page and it was so comforting. Oh my gosh. It was so comforting. That's so. Thank you. I'm so glad. Yeah. But continue. Sorry for interrupting. Oh, no, you're great. I know it's kind of a long, I'm, I always, ex- I always include way more detail than I probably should. Oh, no. I love um, it. I love it. Oh, oh, I'm glad. Okay. So our fifth IOI, we were still with this doctor out here in Kansas City and we did, uh, we, we, you know, we used the, the Falstam shots, dexamethasone, the, the steroid, and I think that was it. Um, and then obviously the trigger shot and we got pregnant and I had no idea we were going to get pregnant. I figured it was going to be a no. And, um, we actually recorded our, our true real reaction. And we had my friend come who was a photographer. We had her come and take pictures. I was prepared mentally for here is a real life here, real life shots and like a video of finding out you're not pregnant again. Mm, Right. Like mm -hmm. I wanted some professional shots because you know, everything needs some kind of, I don't know, some kind of needs to be curated in some way. Totally. And so I know it seems kind of different that someone's super ready for a, a pregnancy test video, but I honestly, that is my honest reaction. Brian and I had no idea. I was prepared for a no. And then we were pregnant um, and we went in and uh, they didn't find a heartbeat yet. It was just a sack. <clears throat> Sorry. It was just a sack. Um, so they didn't find a heartbeat. They didn't find a fetal pole or anything. And then a couple weeks later, we found out that it, we had um, a blighted ovum. So actually it would be... What is a blighted ovum? So the the baby doesn't develop. So you have the sac, but there's no fetal pole. The baby doesn't fully develop. So it's fertilized and everything like that, but 
the baby actually doesn't continue to develop. Okay. So as far as I know, um, and so we had, so I think, yeah, that was three years ago this month. And that was so hard. That was our first miscarriage was so hard. We had, I had a miscarriage naturally. So I had a miscarriage naturally and then took a couple months off, decided to do another fertility treatment. So then the sixth IUI. So at this point, six IUIs and we did it. We figured, you know what? We're going to get pregnant. We figured out the magic dose, what we need, the right amount of days. the injections for the sixth one? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Fourth, fifth, and sixth were all injections. And my doctor was great. And, you know, he was like, we figured out this worked the fifth time. Let's do it the same exact dose, the days, everything. And so we did that. And I was under the impression that, you know, again, very naive it's going to work. Like it worked one time, it's going to work again. And it didn't work. And, um, you know, devastation again, because what comes at that point, I knew at that point, if it didn't work by the third round of fertility treatment with injections or sixth overall, that we are going to need to move to another option. Uh, and IVF terrified me. Oh, I, I know. I know. Just the thought of it freaked me out. Totally. If you told me two years ago that I would eventually be doing IVF, I would have told you you are crazy. Mm -hmm. You never think it's going to be you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. um, And you read all these horror stories of other people's experiences, their experience, you know, their their, uh, reactions to to the injections, to the medication, to everything. Um, and yeah, it freaked me out and I did not want to be in this category, did not want to need to do IVF. Um, but that's what we needed to do. And so we actually moved to another doctor in New York. It wasn't the greatest experience for me. Um, but we did IVF, uh, the following July. So July of 2018, like moved to New York for a month. No. Well, I was out there for over two weeks. So I flew out there. We did all the injections, the egg retrieval, the, and, uh, I did it all by myself. My Mm. husband flew out there, got there right after I did the trigger shot. Got it. So our first IVF cycle, I was by myself the whole time in a hotel room (laughs) in New York, um, upstate New York. And I actually made friends with the hotel staff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I would have them come in and help me with injections. Oh, <laughs> I didn't go that far, but I thought about it. It's next level kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. But you, so, I mean, yeah. that's brave of you, Carissa, you know, the Thank bravery you. that that takes to go to a outside of your home and do something so scary like this is so brave. I commend you. Because I, you hear that all, all the time. People are like, yeah, I flew to this, you know, one of the support groups that I go to um, from Resolve, you know, about mm-hmm. Resolve, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And like, she was like, yeah, I flew to Cornell University to do my retrievals. And I was like, what? Wow. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's um, amazing and crazy and like. How, you know, how do you do that? But you just do it. You just do it, I guess. You just do it. Yeah. You just do it. Yeah. 
And unfortunately, the doctor that we had, he didn't have like a schedule. He didn't have you set up on a schedule. So it was kind of like when you start your cycle, you get your plane ticket. So the tickets were so pricey to Syracuse, New York. So expensive. And then just never know. Anyway, it was a big kind of mess. Um, I am grateful, though, because this doctor that we did our IVF cycle with, uh, so he reached out to me and we did like a collaboration in a way. Um, and it makes it sound like we had a free IVF cycle, which we did not. We got uh, a discounted rate, but we still spent a ton of money, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> let's be real. We spent a ton of money. Yeah. There's no way to bypass so, it. Like there's always no. going to be some charges that you're like, oh, what? <laughs> Anesthesia, like everything, especially when you're traveling, all of the costs with traveling, the medication, the everything. So I am grateful um, to be able to have worked with this doctor, though, because at the same time, my thing is I wanted to give back. And that's one of my biggest, uh, I guess, driving forces with even wanting to be, I, you know, air quotes, an infertility influencer or an influencer of any kind is just to help other people in some way. And I told them, I said, you know, if we consider moving to, uh, a f- to your fertility clinic, then I want to do a giveaway. I want to give somebody a chance to have a baby. And the couple that uh, that we chose, we randomly chose, you know, we did this, you share this post, whatever, on Instagram, and you tag friends, and this couple that got, pre- uh, the couple that won, we met them while we were out there. They had just done their egg retrieval as well. And, and can I uh, ask what the actual giveaway gift was? It was an IVF cycle. <gasps> And and the yeah. doctor agreed to do that. Yeah. Wow. Whoa. I'm pretty Whoa. sure they probably just had to pay for their flights out there, and um, possibly the anesthesia. They got more than we got. Like they theirs was way better than ours. They got a full um, load of medication. They got like a thousand dollars towards towards um, probably injections. I think. I just know it was better than ours, they but it was got, awesome. Like, and the that ultimate package. Right. And my husband was saying to me, he's like, why didn't we get this? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know what? It we is what it is. We our own giveaway. Right. Why didn't we get this? So, um, in the couple that won our giveaway, who we met, they got pregnant. They got pregnant and they had their boy, their baby. He's a little baby boy. And now they're pregnant again, miraculously with, um, on their own. And I mean, can you imagine giving a better gift than that? No. Like, yes, it sucked for us because our IVF cycle didn't work out, but I mean, yeah, I think it's the most selfless gift you can give to, well, not the most, but it's the most selfless gift I've given to somebody else. And you'll always have a connection with that person for the rest always. of your life. You know, you've given always. them, wow, that's pretty, that's it's, pretty powerful. It is. Um, so when I think about my experience in New York with this doctor, part of me is like, I wish I didn't do it. I wish I just trusted my gut but I didn't. However, in going this direction, something amazing came out of it. So would I really go back and, and, and change the, change the path that we went down or would I sacrifice our, you know, 
I guess, our happy ending in a way or our happy outcome so that somebody else could uh, could have some an amazing, you know, bundle of joy, I guess, an amazing gift. So 100%. that was in Jan. I'm getting tears in my eyes. Oh my it's gosh. so beautiful. It's so kind. Oh. I mean, that's the only way I think you can actually find any kind of peace and comfort in this process is like helping other people, you know? Totally. Totally. Otherwise, you're just totally focused on yourself, yep. which I have been very much from time to time, different phases of infertility. Um, so I'm, I'm seriously so happy for them. She's just, she's wonderful. He's wonderful. They're such good, kind people. And, uh, it just, I'm, I'm very, you very played grateful. a part in it too. I did. You know? Yeah, we did. And so, um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I'm grateful. Okay. So then you, after New York, you came back to Kansas City and continued treatment. Where does that leave us in the timeline? So we were originally thinking about going back with this doctor. Um, I wasn't fully, I guess, aware of how bad my experience really was. Because, you know, when you've done IVF one time or when you haven't done it before, you don't know what to expect. And so I was by myself. So I had a panic attack out there. And so I had to start taking Xanax during my treatment because I, they had, yeah, it was just a mess kind of. Oh, that's a common thing I hear about women. Like it's common. Right. I just felt, felt like I fell through the cracks big time. And I felt like I was used. I felt like my platform was used. And the biggest thing for me with this, with being used is, or in, in, uh, sharing anything on social media is I only share what I truly love and truly believe in. So, um, if I share something and then someone trusts my opinion and now they're going to that doctor because they trust me and now I've had a bad experience and I, I just, I don't want to be the reason someone makes a choice and then they, something so serious, something so um, important and then them have a, a bad experience right. or a bad outcome or, you know, something similar to what I had. And so well, um, you value, you know, you value people putting their faith and trust in, into you, you know, 100%. And you don't want to break that. You don't want to jeopardize that. Um, no. Yeah, I, I I understand that. Yeah, and so we weren't sure if we were going to go back out there. So I did another surgery like two weeks later after we got home uh, to remove endometriosis because our doctor didn't know why our IVF cycle failed. So let me explain. So we got, we retrieved 19 eggs, I believe. 10 were mature, one fertilized, and we had zero embryos. Uh, when we found out on a phone call with the doctor, he said that he thought it was a sperm issue. He thought it was Brian's fault. He thought it was a sperm issue. He never, he didn't really know anything. We didn't get a call from the embryologist the whole time. I didn't hear from the embryologist. And this and was the guy in New York, in Syracuse. This was the New York clinic, and did yeah. did they do ICSI? Yes, they did. Mm. They did. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they, they, so he kind of pushed us to thinking that it was Brian's fault. And I hate blaming anybody, right? Because my husband and I don't do that at all. It's not like 
you're, it's not like I have low AMH, so it's my fault. It's, it's us. It's a partnership. It's both of us in this. We're a team. And so if we can't get pregnant, it's, it's, it's not one person's fault. And I'm so grateful for that. So, um, I went in to go have surgery to remove endo to see if that was the problem, to see if that was why we had poor fertilization. And my OBGYN, who actually um, worked with my fertility doctor out here in Kansas City, she said, she just kept saying over and over again, it's the lab. It's the lab. That is why this failed. It's not your fault. It is the lab. (gasps) So we had never had any issues before with Brian's uh, sperm. Ever. Our fertility doctor here had never seen any issues. And you would and know so, that by doing the IUIs, right? Yeah. Because like certain yeah. IUIs, they will not even do if you don't hit certain numbers with the right. sperm. Right. And so we just felt like, and at that point, after she kind of was talking to Brian, of course, I was still in surgery or waking up from surgery, waking up from anesthesia. So when Brian and I started talking, you know, uh, that's when everything started coming back and started coming up. And I'm like, okay, was this right? Or how they potentially forgot my medication was, was this wrong? Like, what about when he said this to me, what about this? And so then all these things, these experiences from our IVF cycle kept coming up. And, um, then we realized, oh my gosh, like that was a very bad experience. And so, uh, we decided we weren't going to go back for another egg retrieval we were going to go back there a couple months later and do another egg retrieval and hopefully get a better experience, you know, hopefully have a better outcome. And then we were like, nope, you we're done. To we're never going that. back. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're never going back. And so, um, redirect, so yeah. redirect, redirect. We're done. <laughs> so then we were just like, you know what? Let's just, let's do us right. Let's, let's just enjoy life right now because when you are going through infertility, it is really hard to just live in the moment, to enjoy each other, to enjoy life when you're, when you're solely focused on getting pregnant, like that becomes an obsession, or at least that's how it was for me. And then miraculously on our own, we got pregnant in November of 2018. Wow. I was like, wait, I'm seven days late for my period. Uh, <laughs> this has never happened before. There's no way I'm getting pregnant. I didn't get pregnant. <laughs> like, there is no freaking way we've spent all of this money already and now we're pregnant on our own. And so, because we were freaked out about having another miscarriage, um, we didn't say anything to anybody. Uh, we didn't tell anybody. We told Brian's parents the night before we had our next doctor appointment. Um, so yeah, but because I didn't go through a fertility clinic, I was only going through an OBGYN, um, which I love my OBGYN, uh, but one of her staff members, I wasn't the fondest of, and I kept asking for progesterone. I kept asking, I need, I want to be on progesterone and should I take baby aspirin? Um, and she's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, trust me, like I've been through fertility treatment enough to know that I'll be okay, but I just need to know I need the doctor's permission and I need some progesterone, right? Or I just have some. 
I didn't want to take it on my own without approval because I didn't want to mess anything up. But if I didn't take it, was I going to mess something up? So I think I have a guilt. I like hold guilt knowing that I should have done something. You know what? And I didn't because then we had another miscarriage. I have to tell you, I had a progesterone battle with my old fertility clinic too. You did? Yeah, same situation. Like, no, like, can we please just add it? Like, please just give it to me, please. I know you don't want, doesn't, you think it won't matter. You think it won't like play a big role. And I had to fight tooth and nail. I had to like, and I, I've, I felt like gross afterwards. You know, I was like, why am I, why am I having to like claw my eyes out just to get some progesterone right now? It's crazy. Right. Right. You shouldn't be the one that's doing that. Exactly. Yeah. I don't understand. So I, um, we went in. Fortunately, my doctor, my OBGYN, who's worked with my fertility doctor up here um, and also has been through fertility treatment herself, she was more than willing to get us in for an early scan, you know, all that stuff. The first time around, we saw a heartbeat. We saw a baby. And we it was a little bit lower. And we have this all on YouTube. And um, we thought, you know, we've already been through six rounds of treatment plus an IVF cycle plus one miscarriage. There's no way God is going to have us have another miscarriage. There's no way. Uh, it's going to work out, right? It's worked out for all these other people on Google. It's going to work out for us too. And so, um, yeah, we went back in, I'd say a week or so later, and uh, we didn't have a heartbeat. Um, but we were, we were checking our progesterone, uh, pretty consistently, right? They, they were testing me like every couple days or something and my progesterone was fine. All of a sudden it dropped. Oh my God. And they didn't have the results yet. I didn't hear that it had dropped. And, uh, yeah, that's when I was like, and then we went in, we found out we didn't have a heartbeat. I think I found out the day before that my progesterone dropped and I panicked. I panicked because I thought to myself, <laughs> this person is the reason why I'm going to have I a miscarriage. I would lose my mind. I would oh, lose I my mind. Yeah. In that ultrasound room, what the sonographer, how, what do you say in the sonography room? That sounds right. Yeah. Something (laughs) right. Uh, the sonographer, it was just like, you know, looking around, looking around just like the first time and, uh, you know, click, 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 click. And then she puts her hand on my leg and my husband uh, looks down because at this point we're not recording. Uh, you're not supposed to record in there anyway because that's not allowed. But you know we secretly did. Um, and uh, he looks down, and I put my hand over my head, and he looks down, and she just grabs my knee, and she goes, "I'm sorry, I can't find a heartbeat." And we didn't record this because we thought we were going to find a heartbeat. It was just going to be the same as last time, right? Like there's no point in recording it because everything's going to be good. And uh, we hadn't told anybody at this point. We hadn't told our families. No, we told Brian's parents the night before. Uh, It was like our Christmas miracle. We were going to announce it after Christmas because there's no way I'm going to share that I'm pregnant to the infertility community on Christmas or around Christmas. There's no way I'm doing that to somebody when I know how hard it is for me. So Brian took it harder than I did. I was ready to go upstairs 
to my OBGYN's office and tell this lady she's the reason I'm having a miscarriage. I was pissed. And my husband was bawling. Mm. Like seeing your husband cry so much and just so hard. And he's, I mean, something I forget over and over is that this is not just me. This is not just my trial, not just me going through infertility. It's not just my miscarriage. It's not just my fertility treatment. My husband is going through it too. He may not be going through it physically and we may uh, cope differently. We may react differently and show our feelings differently, but he wanted this baby too. And so, um, yeah. And, and because our first miscarriage was so traumatic, so it was a natural miscarriage and I, I was in so much pain. Um, I was throwing up at the same time as like bleeding, like it was so bad. And I, I was like crying, please take me to the ER, take me to the ER. Our dog is in the corner shaking the first time around. It was so traumatic. And I just remember laying there and praying, please, Heavenly Father, just please help me get through this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I fell asleep and I, you know, and then this time around, I just said, I don't want to, I don't want to do that again. So we had a DNC and, um, on December 21st of 2019. So, you know, our, that was our Christmas present. Oh my God. Uh, no, 2018. Yeah, it was 2018. Cause right. This is 2020. So it was 2018. Um, and so, uh, I remember walking in there and, uh, you know, my husband's holding my hand and, uh, you know, you walk in there pregnant and everyone in there, we're going to have to have you go take a urine test because we need to see if you're pregnant. And I'm like, that's why I'm here. I'm, I'm coming in here for a DNC. Like, look at my paperwork. Hello. And so I, you know, and then they would come in and I just was a mess. Like I was just bawling. Like, how do you not be a mess when, yeah. And so, um, the last thing I remember was, um, them willing me back and just tears rolling down, you know, just crying, just tears rolling down, them putting a, that mask over when they're giving you the anesthesia. And, uh, I remember them putting the mask over me, you know, getting me on the bed and, uh, my legs up, the mask came on my, my tears just kept rolling. And then I closed my eyes and then I woke up crying the same, like, I, I don't know if I even stopped. And, uh, you know, and I think it's still something that I need to cope with because yes, the, the natural miscarriage, uh, sorry, I'm tearing up. Oh no, then, let it out. This is, you know, <laughs> this is a space for that. This yeah. podcast can hold tears. <laughs> I love that. So the natural miscarriage, yes, it was super hard and super painful. And I often compared the pain that I felt in my heart to the, to the suicide of my cousin when we were 19, obviously very different situations, different tragedies, but the pain, the loss and the, that I felt was so hard, so strong. Like I felt it so much where with the, the DNC, I walked in pregnant and it walked out not pregnant. I didn't know how to cope with that. And I clearly a year later, I'm still struggling. Um, because it's like when you have the natural miscarriage, your body goes through it. You're able to go through it too, uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever you want to, you know, however you go through it. And for me with this, it was almost like 
it was almost like blocking it out. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was maybe better for me physically in some ways, but emotionally, no way. Yeah. No way. So, um, so yeah, that's where we were at. We, uh, we decided, you know, we got pregnant on our own and we had a miscarriage, our second miscarriage. And then, um, our OBGYN, uh, was like, why don't you just keep trying? Right. So I took lectures again. Yeah. Yeah. It happened. Let's just try the rules of waiting for a couple more months after you've had a miscarriage are out the window. They're saying to try right away. So we did. As soon as we were allowed to, we tried naturally. Uh, And it wasn't working. So then we tried letrozole again for like two more months. It's like a never ending, a never ending thing. It's, I just feel like I'm on this roller coaster that I want to get off of and I just can't. Mm -hmm. And, um, we got to a point where my fertility, where, I mean, so we got to a point where my OBGYN, who was fantastic. I love her. She just was like, you know, Carissa, we've got to take, we've got to be serious here, right? Like, you probably need to go back and do IVF again. And so, um, and so we knew that was going to probably be our option. So, uh, I mean, with the expenses of doing IVF, we thought, how are we going to do this? Like, is this even ever going to happen for us? Because we've done, what, six IUIs. We did an IVF cycle that failed. We've now had two miscarriages. We've done how many, how many letrozole cycles? Uh, like, what do we do here? Yeah, and so, where does it um, end? Like, what? Right, where does it where end? Where are we going? At what point? Yeah. Right. And at what point do we say, okay, this is not the route for us? And something I, um, like, I, you always should do what's right for you. And like I said earlier, follow your gut, follow your instinct. And I try to just follow my feelings a lot. And I felt like we needed to keep going. Some people have asked me over and over and over, you know, why don't you just adopt? There's so many kids that need homes, this or that. Maybe you're just not meant to be a mom, maybe this or that. And I just thought to myself, I will do what I feel like the Lord wants me to do. And so, um, and we still feel like we need to do fertility treatment. And so for whatever reason, like who chooses to want to do this over and over again? Like I don't. So anyway, I am grateful for the opportunity though. That's for sure. I'm grateful that fertility treatment is an option. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we, um, are now doing how much do you have in the emotional bank? Right. You know, like, can you, it, you know, there's all these other factors, the physical, the financial, the spiritual, but like emotionally, if you can, if your gas tank is full, you know, let's, mm-hmm. let's get back on the train again, you know, right. let's keep going. And sometimes right. I think that it changes and goes up and down throughout the process. Um, but that's something that I have to continue to ask myself, like how much gas do I have in my emotional tank right now? You know, you are totally right. So right. Which is why I think breaks are so important during this journey in between from our six IUI to our IVF cycle. Uh, we went to Costa Rica. We took some time off, took some time just as a couple, you know, so it was super good. 
Uh, and over the last, I don't know, year, we've now just, you know, uh, not only been trying on our own, but also are preparing ourselves mentally, emotionally, you know, physically for IVF round two, uh, which we start in two months. Oh my so gosh. We're so excited. Wow. <laughs> I'm freaked out and nervous and all the things, but it's going to be great with our third fertility doctor. In Kansas City. Yes, we will stay here this time. Okay. No traveling. And how, I mean, that kind of dovetails into my next next question. How has COVID-19 sort of affected you in your treatment? So we were originally going to do our IVF cycle either May or June. I wanted to push more to May. My husband wanted to push more to June. And luckily, Kansas City, the Missouri area, the Midwest hasn't really been hit a whole lot. Not like New York, obviously. Nowhere in the U.S. has been hit like New York City. Um, and so the clinic wasn't taking any calls. So the clinic wasn't taking any payments, any, they weren't scheduling anybody, right? So I had called to see if we can at least get on the books. Can we have something planned? But because they weren't doing any treatment, we couldn't even schedule anything or give them a down payment or anything. So uh, the only thing that it's done is it's kind of pushed it out for us, thankfully, not that much farther because Kansas City has already started to open up. and. Um, so the clinic is now open as of like two Fridays ago. And so it just pushed it back a couple of months. Thankfully, it's not like other people that like had the schedule for IVF in March or April. And now, and then they're like, what do I do now? Right. Yeah. So fortunately for us, we were just a little bit slow to get started for, with the second round. And, um, it just pushed it back a couple of months, thankfully. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, same over here. It was like we were supposed to start my first IVF cycle in um, April, and then it got pushed back a couple of months. And then I, I and then we just sort of we took the pause as a way to kind as an opportunity to kind of recalibrate and think about whether we really liked our fertility clinic. And so mm -hmm. we decided to switch clinics. And now we are with Dr. Amy, whom is also internet famous. She is called the Egg Whisperer. Mm -hmm. And she has um, a podcast and a YouTube channel. And if you haven't listened to her, she's great. She's really great. I need to. I haven't. Yeah, she's really awesome. And she does not believe in... One of the things that I really appreciate about her is that she doesn't believe in unexplained infertility, which is what the other clinic told us we had. She's like, she wants to get to the answers. She wants to find out the reason. And I really the appreciate... The root cause. Yep. Yep. Yes. Don't just give me a blanket statement. Totally. Totally. Um, but I do feel so my heart goes out to the women who whose cycles have still been put on hold. Right. So. Right. Yeah. It's just heartbreaking. Like as if infertility alone isn't hard enough, adding more wait time, more uncertainty, more things out of your control. And it's just it's heartbreaking. Totally. Totally. And I know you recently started a new job at Bank of America, and they actually offer fertility coverage. Please, please, please share this amazing news. 
Yes, I did. It is incredible. So I wish I would have known sooner. Um, So I just started part-time, just 20 hours a week, and you get full benefits. What? Which is insane, okay? Insane. What? Full benefits. And so, of course, Brian and I chose top of the line. Like, I have not had top of the line insurance forever, if ever. And um, it's just, it's great. And so it kicks in the full. So if you start like May 1st, your insurance will start July 1st. So it kicks in a full month after you've started. Um, So I started March 16th. So my insurance started May 1st. Full insurance. And of course, May 1st is when my doctor's office opens. Oh my So I was able to switch my insurance. Seriously, like it's crazy how everything falls into place. Yeah, so serendipitous. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And so, um, so yeah, they offer fertility benefits. They have three different insurance companies or insurance plans that they work with. I don't know what to say. Uh, one is Anthem, one is Aetna, and one is United Healthcare. I chose United Healthcare, and they have an unlimited lifetime. There's no lifetime max on fertility benefits. So, right, like some companies, it's like $10,000 lifetime max or 15 or 50. It's unlimited with Bank of America. Is that not incredible? Like, obviously, you pay your, your deductible, your out-of-pocket max, your co-pays, all the things. But that is incredible. So we chose the top-of-the-line insurance uh, with them. And then we were looking through some other things and – Remember, that's already started for me. The fertility benefits have now kicked in, which is incredible. And so uh, we were looking through some of their other things on the, you know, on the employee site, um, on the benefits page, and we saw something about um, fertility treatment or adoption reimbursement. So say I had a high deductible plan and I paid more out of pocket for fertility treatment, I could have an up to 20000 dollar lifetime max reimbursement from them or wow. for fertility treatment or adoption. <gasps> or I think they also said surrogacy, if I remember correctly. Are you kidding me? Brian and I didn't know this. We didn't know just how g- I knew that they covered some and I had heard Bank of America was a great company. And so I just I knew I needed to get out of the house, right? I need I needed to um I wanted to work for a good company. I did not know it was this good. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So, and they're hiring. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's I'm looking. not special there, but they're hiring. <laughs> That's great. That's amazing. I'm so happy for you. I'm so Thank happy you. for you. Yeah, that's incredible with only part-time. Like, that's unheard right? of. Like, oh my totally, gosh. 100%. Um. Well, when did you decide, let's go, let's get into like the whole influencer situation. And like, when did you fully decide to go public about your struggles with infertility? And what was it like to share on the internet, the intimate details of the story? Yeah. Yeah. So after that third IUI I was talking about earlier that failed, I was in Utah without my husband because uh, that's where I'm from. I'm from Utah. So I was with my grandma and my dad in her kitchen. Um, and I, she was asking me, you know, 
when are you going to get pregnant? When are you going to have a baby? And I, of course, had a breakdown. And at that point, I had not told anybody that I was pregnant. I mean, I had not told anybody that we were trying to get pregnant and that we're struggling with infertility and, you know, doing treatment. And I told her, you know, I'm trying, I'm going through fertility treatment, all these things. And I broke down. And at that point, I realized um, nobody at that, you know, three years, three and a half years ago, people don't really talk about it as much no. as they do today. Oh, you're so and right. So right. I felt so alone. I didn't know anybody. Okay. Maybe knew two people that were going through infertility as well, but they were very, very private about it. Nobody was open about it. And a couple months prior to this, I had gone on this Michael's makers trip. I had won a trip with them for crafting and and I thought I needed to be a crafting blogger. Uh, turns out. <laughs> That's what's turns missing out, in right? my life. Turns out I was like, well, I'm not so good at the, well, I'm good at crafting. I'm just not good at being consistent with crafting, okay? <laughs> it just takes a lot of time, preparation, and YouTube. I love it. I just, <laughs> just love it. I just I just think that, that this could still be a thing. You know, this could always be a backup plan. Right, right. My friend is a really popular uh, crafting vlogger, and, and, you know, I thought that was going to be me. Turns out, no. <laughs> and so I had some friends out here that were YouTubers, and I had never started, I'd never thought about doing a YouTube channel. But my friend, Julie Drew, she's the Drew crew. She's sisters with Ellie from Ellie and Jared, uh, which I don't know Ellie, but I went to school with um, her sister, Bonnie. We were in play productions together. And anyway, I didn't really ask her for any favors or I didn't ask her, you know, for insight, but I was just like, you know, Brian, maybe we should do a YouTube channel. Maybe we should start a YouTube channel and share our infertility. Okay. That did not go anywhere for months. For months. He was not into the idea. No. Yeah. He's so private. Yeah. So private. And so um, it took a couple months. Yeah. And then he finally was on board. And so we started our YouTube channel February 13th of 2017, I believe. And my brother-in-law, Jacob, was in our very first video. Oh. It's very raw and real and unedited, which makes it hilarious because he, like, burps. <laughs> and <laughs> so to, if in case people don't know, my brother-in-law, Jacob, he's 28. He has Down syndrome. He's amazing, and we love him so much. And he is just hilarious. And I love was, it when he <laughs> makes cameos in your it's videos. The best. It's so great. He's so – he's such a ray of light. Such a it's way just of very light. pure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it just added a whole, I think what it did for us is looking back, is it kind of laid out really just how we are with our fertility journey uh, and in sharing it. Yes, we share the hard stuff and the real stuff, but we also try to be lighthearted and try to keep it funny at the same time because really this journey freaking sucks. Oh, yeah. And if you're just you know, doom and gloom or Debbie Downer, like sometimes I just want to be, and I have to force myself out of that. Um, it just makes it way more miserable than it, than it should be. Or I mean, it should be miserable, 
it should be miserable because it is. But I mean, I think there's still things to be grateful for and to laugh about. And it's just, you have yeah. to search for those. And have and- some levity. You, you know, this stuff can get really, oh my gosh, can really bog you down. Yes. You know? Totally. I've been there. Yeah. Been there. So, uh, it, you know, coming out, I guess, as infertile was fine. Nobody was awful to me. I didn't have any mean comments with like family and friends. Uh, everyone was very supportive. Of course, people thought it was weird, like that you're sharing anything, you know, so personally, but I'm a very open book. Um, everything I will tell anybody, anything, I'm not ashamed of it. It is what it is. And, um, what you see is what you get. And where my husband, he's like very quiet, as you could tell. Like he's, you don't Brian. often get to see his full Brian. personality. I love Brian. <laughs> he's so funny and you don't get to see the full him. Sometimes if I turn the camera on or my phone, he catches me and I'm like, just be yourself, man. Yeah. And so he's very different from me, but it's great, a great balance. And yeah, it was, a, it wasn't bad starting a YouTube channel or being open. It was actually really awesome because not only could I see, you know, that we were making an impact is on other people, but also knowing that other people were going through it helped me. It impacted me. So getting messages from other people, you know, on maybe that they felt the same way, I felt like I was less broken. Mm. Like something's not wrong with me. This is normal. These feelings you go through with infertility and after a miscarriage and through fertility treatment, it's normal. Um, it hurts and it's real and you know, you need to feel it and it's okay to not be okay. And, um, that's what you, I mean, a hundred percent. That's what you gave me. It would like seeing your channel, gave me permission to come out about it too. Like it really helped me. Um, it was scary. You know, it was really scary at first because you, you first go, my first head was like the first thought that jumped in my head was like, Oh my God, what's my mother-in-law going to (laughs) think? You know? Right. And then like (laughs) my mother-in-law thought it was great. Like she, she loves it. She listens all the time. So you know, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really, it's really like all the things that you thought it would be. It's nice when they don't turn out that way, you know? Right. Um, well, what is the greatest thing about being an inf- infertility influencer? It's helping other people, helping other people feel less alone. Um, I know that, you know, like I said before, I felt like something was wrong with me. I'm the only one going through this. Some, you know, I'm being punished, but really like knowing that other people are going through it too, that it's not a curse in a way and you're not being punished and you're not alone. There's so many other people going through it too. And yeah. Yeah. And so I think that just knowing that you're helping somebody else, um, that you can use your experience, your heartache. It's almost like, it gives your heartache a purpose. Mm, mm-hmm. That's and, beautiful. Um, yeah. That's beautiful. So just, yeah. Um, I'm grateful to help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you're definitely helping a lot of people. Totally. You know? I hope so. Um, what were, I mean, you, you kind of touched upon this a little bit, but um, 
What were, if any, were some of the challenges about um, coming out about it? And um, like, did strangers ever say weird things or make recommendations? Like, um, did other influencers ever get mad at you? Because I think there's another influencer in Kansas City, specifically infertility influencer. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Do you know the situation? I don't. <laughs> I don't, but I would like to know if you don't mind sharing. Wait, how do you know? <laughs> yes. So being an influencer is um it can be a little bit odd. I sometimes feel like people forget that you're a real person going through a real life current situation. And with showing something so personal, so hard right now. I'm not showing you the aftermath. I'm not in the happy ending and I'm showing you the road of how I got there. You know, I'm showing you the now, the real, the raw, the hard stuff where I have my breakdowns, where I'm not perfect, uh, where when you're hurting, sometimes you hurt other people. And I've been that person. And, um, yeah. And people comment on things all the time. The hateful comments that I've got are the messages or I've had messages telling me that they hope my IVF cycle fails. What? Uh, there are forums out there where people are hoping my IVF cycle fails. What? And how they hope I have a miscarriage. No. I, no, I'm serious. There are people out there no. like this. Why do people have time yeah. to do that? Like, <laughs> I don't know. And then people send me the forums. And what? as much as you want to say um, someone else's opinion of you is none of your business, which I learned from Rachel Hollis. Um, sometimes when you get it over and over and over again, or depending on your day, like I struggle with anxiety and depression. And so depending on how I'm feeling that day, I may react to it and I may really, really hurt from it. You know, even though I don't know this person and really that's not a reflection of me, that's a reflection of them, but just getting that over and over again, uh, you can only get beat up so much or get, you know, get hit so much before, you just kind of fall. And before you just kind of want to give up, like I have to think to myself at one point, is this worth it? Mm -hmm. Is the, at one point is the hateful messages that I get about, um, you know, that I, that God doesn't want me to be a mom or that my, they hope my IVF cycle fails or, or how I, yes, Yes, or how I didn't cope with my miscarriage correctly, or how my baby wasn't even a baby. And, you know, just I have had it, it's everything, it's everything. And obviously, I'm putting my life public, right? I'm open about things. So it's going to bring criticism. However, like the type of criticism, like I was hoping maybe I'd get criticism for you know, maybe mispronouncing something or maybe my gray hairs or that I wear the same clothes like or my eyebrows or my skin, whatever, but really hateful, evil comments Malice, come through. Like a hundred percent maliciousness. Yes. Yes. And honestly, uh, being <sighs> going through depression and anxiety, like I have, especially since our first miscarriage, cause I really have struggled and now I'm on an antidepressant. Uh, I'm totally happy to talk about that. Um, uh, that's been really hard. And honestly, I've taken breaks from YouTube, from Instagram, from 
social media altogether from people uh, because you have to start thinking about yourself. Like you've got to put your mask on first before you can help someone else out on an airplane, right? And so if I'm not doing well, if I'm not taking care of myself, how can I help anybody else on social media, let alone in my life? Uh, you know, my husband, my dog, my family, who's most important to me. Um, I can't, I can't help anybody else. And so the real world trolls, mean people, like there are some evil people out there and yeah, it's it has been really hard at some points. I mean, I just um, oh, I have I have so much like I'm mad for you. You know, like that's yeah. so wrong. That's so wrong. Right. There's nobody yeah. you you like the internet is a dark place, man. You know, it's a yes, dark it is. place and it people love to just hide behind a screen and like bully and like and be nasty like it's not and it's totally. not okay it's not mm-hmm. okay um mm-hmm. well and hurt people hurt people totally you got to remember that totally but it's still like mean stuff still can kind of sting a little yeah totally for a lot totally and um uh, wow the situation with like influencers so yeah, there is a an influencer here in Kansas City that we used to be friends. We used to be friendly. I never met her in person, but we set something. You know, we wanted to get together. Uh, but I think just women in general are, or maybe this is just how I am. I get my feelings hurt pretty easily, <laughs> you know. Or you get kind of possessive if someone takes an idea from you or whatever. Or us in the infertility community. I think that there are some kind of like anything else. You have a group of friends or if you want to call it a click, which I feel like people just gravitate to other people. Like, so what if there's a click, right? Um, But I don't think I'm super accepted in some of the community Mm -hmm. of infertility influencers. Like if you see the other big ones out there, which I honestly never wanted to be, I never intended to gain a following. I never wanted that. Uh, what I wanted was to help other people. Um, and so uh, I had, you know, we had differing opinions on bonfire shirt ideas and how I was using a, a phrase that she had used on her shirt. And oh. I don't feel like certain quotes are just for one person. Yeah. And anyway, so yeah, I was blocked like, by somebody. And yeah. Oh, Wow. That's like, you know, it is what it is. I think she, I wish the best for her. I hope, you know, she gets her dream and stuff like that. But um, I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm not going to let people push you. me around either, you. you know. So yeah. I still stand by my decision to to use this phrase, um, even though someone else had already used it as a totally different design. Yep. Her design is actually, in my opinion, cuter, but I, it's not just... Just because you say one quote doesn't mean it's yours. Doesn't mean somebody else doesn't resonate with it. Doesn't mean somebody else hasn't used or it you, in their you don't story. Own the quote. No, you don't no. own the quote. It's so immature. It's so. It's just. It's just ridiculous. And so, honestly, I don't even know how you found out because <laughs> I'm blocked, so I can't see what she shares. But yeah. Anyway, well, so yeah. I mean, you're my favorite. Oh, well, Sorry. I like you. <laughs> Sorry, everybody I like else. 
<laughs> so yeah, I mean that's just unfortunate the, because here here we are, like already yeah. feeling so isolated, you know? And like when people start getting like, I don't know, just like Pac-Men like trying to eat each other a little bit, it's like, right. whoa, we are not right. why are we why are we doing this to each other? We're already so isolated and divided from other pe- other women right now. Mm-hmm. This is not the club to be eating each other in. Right. I'm done with the competition. Like, I thought we were supposed to be there, lift each other up, help each other through this. Why do we need to compete? Why can't we cheer each other on and help each other out and show each other love and kindness? Like, I don't, I don't understand the competition. And I don't know if... Honestly, in my mind, I used to kind of compete when I first started out, when I was like, oh, maybe, maybe this could be something. And then I was, I'm so glad I had a, you know, humble pill, humble pie, whatever you want to call humble pill. Is that a thing? It is now. <laughs> I made that up trademark. Just kidding. I love it. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I realized really quick, really early on that, I mean, if you want to grow, you've got to, you've got to be there to support other people. Like, if you see other people getting what you want uh, and you're just jealous and hateful and angry, that's just going to hurt you. Yeah. Really? That just hurts you. That just puts. Yeah. So yeah, there's just with women in general, or maybe it's just me. I know I've wanted to compete with other women um, and maybe it's just competition. Uh, and I don't understand. So I would hope that maybe I could be more accepted in the infertility influencer community. And there are some really amazing ones that I am uh, accepted by, but there are also some that I'm not. And, yeah. The thing is with me is I don't just want to be an infertility influencer because that's not just who I am. I'm not just infertility and I refuse to only share that because I'm a three-dimensional person with interest in feelings about other things and other things going on in my life. Like my mom's fiance having cancer and going through chemo and just so many things right now that's currently happening that I don't just want to share infertility. I want to share funny stuff like the office quotes and you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I just don't fit the infertility influencer mold all the way. So I'm kind of trying to figure out my place too in this space. Totally. Totally. I, um, I struggled a little bit with even my podcast, like labeling it as a comedy, you know, because sometimes I'm like, sometimes it's really exhausting trying to be funny all the time. And I want, like, you can't have the funny unless you also have the sorrow too. Right. You know, you need both. Like that beautiful Pixar movie about all the feelings, you know, the joy. In and out? Is it in and out? No, that's the food joy. It's inside out. (laughs) Inside out. Inside out. But I do love in and out. I do love in and out. I wish I had it here. (laughs) Um. But you need joy. <clears throat> you need joy as much as you need sorrow, too. You know, you need a space that can hold both. So I'm kind of like, yeah. you know, I'm I'm navigating that right now, you know, and you want to be able to share every aspect of it, you know? So yeah, 100%. And I, um, well, like, is there anything that you wish you would have known before you even started down this road? I wish I would have known about Bank of America's fertility treatment (laughs) benefits. 100%, probably number one. Number two is uh, that 
that there are so many other people going through this that I'm not alone, right? Um, And number three is probably, I wish I would have known that the people that make comments to me, like, why don't you just adopt? Why don't you do this? Have you tried that? Can we unpack the adoption thing? (laughs) Like, let me just say, adoption is not easy. Or cheap. Or cheap, especially in this country. And people have no idea what they're saying when they suggest It just that. shows their ignorance. Yeah. Right? right? Yeah. But I was ignorant too before becoming a part of this community. I mean, I asked the question to one of my friends who I will never forget. I said to her at our first double date, wait, you've been married five years. Uh, are you guys trying to have kids? As I'm also going through infertility, but I didn't know how to navigate conversation or how to talk to people about it. I know. Um, But I meant well, and I wish I would have known in the early on that, like we talked about earlier, there's no competition. There's no competition in pain. Uh, Just because someone's gone through five rounds of IVF doesn't doesn't make your your treatment, whatever you've done, any less real, any less valid. Because I've had that. Oh, you've done this, or oh, you miscarried at this this stage. Oh, that's fine. I I well, I miscarried at this stage. You know, like there's no competition. Um, but I've been the person that's like, oh well, I've thought that. You know, I've thought that. Like you are going through an IUI. Well, I've been through IVF. You know what I mean? And it's like, why is there competition, Carissa? There doesn't need to be. Mm-hmm. Like, just be there for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but really. What I think has hurt me the most with my relationships and honestly kind of just uh, withdrawing from other people is I used to get so offended by comments. Yes, the comments about adoption and certain things really, really hurt. Like it's just, it shows ignorance in my opinion. And I think most of the time, You don't have people out there like those people that are messaging me on Instagram and YouTube and commenting on forums about me telling me that they hope my IVF cycle fails. You don't really get those people in real life, right? These are not real people. Um, But the people that are making the comments to me and my friends and my family about adoption or, you know, they would be my surrogate. And I used to get so upset and so offended. I wish I would have known that they really meant well. That they're not saying these things as a way to hurt me. Um, my sister loves me so much, she would want to be my surrogate. Like, mm-hmm. but I thought that she was saying this because she doesn't think I'll ever get pregnant. Mm-hmm. But really, mm-hmm. I wish I would have viewed it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I also wish that when I saw pregnant women or when I heard people that were pregnant. Uh, you know, when I heard that people were announcing their pregnancies, I wish I wasn't so hateful or so angry. You're not necessarily angry at them for getting pregnant, right? You're angry and you're upset and you're hurting that it's not you. You're hurting that you've gone through so much and why isn't it my turn? But after my sister, she had her stillborn baby girl, Mm -hmm. full-term stillborn baby girl. That's when a light came on. And I realized 
You never know what someone is going through. You never know if this is their angel baby. You never know if um, the baby that they're pregnant with, just like my sister who was silent, so she was a waitress at the time, and she would be waiting on people, and people would say to her, you know, uh, are you so excited for your baby? But she knew her baby was going to not make it. She knew it the whole time. Um, well, at like maybe five months, she found out her baby had trisomy 13 mm. and that she wasn't going to survive. And so my sister, instead of planning a baby shower, she was planning a funeral. Ugh. And so you never know looking at somebody, is this their IVF baby? Are they a surrogate for somebody else? Uh, you know, all these things. And I wish I would have got outside of myself and thought about somebody else. But it's so hard. It really is. At least it was for me. And I'm not saying everybody else is this way, but this is just my experience. And I know that my infertility has really brought me like it within myself and almost like made it about me. Like I hate that Mother's Day in a way has become about me, right? Like why can't I enjoy it? Well, it's because I'm mourning uh, something that I don't have, or I'm mourning the loss of my my angel babies. But at the same time, like I'm so grateful for my grandmother for stepping in when my mom was gone with her drug addiction, right? Like I'm so grateful for those women that have been the uh, have been such a huge impact on my life. Like uh, with church, Sister Freeze, I didn't have anybody help me plan my wedding or to pay for it, so she took care of it. Mm. Like I think about these women, um, but I've made it all about me. So I know that those are, that's a lot right there, Well, <laughs> but I think I mean, there's a lot I've learned. I mean, something that you said, um, a couple questions back just about like the competition with the women and like, you can't quantify people's pain. It's not like, Oh, you have a 10, but you're a two, you know, like, Oh, right. well, you're, well, you know, she's a 15 though, you know, like you can't, you can't do that. And you don't know what the struggle is behind the person. Right. You know, you never, you just don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And, um, I fully, I really agree with that, with that statement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was there anything that surprised you along the way? I'm surprised at how expensive it is and that, uh, how limited coverage there is and how it's not mandated, you know, to cover fertility treatment, Mm -hmm. that fertility treatment, (laughs) it's, it's crazy that other things are covered and we don't need to get into it right now with other things. Uh, but fertility treatment is still not recognized as being, you know, for infertility is not recognized as a like a, a disease in a way, but it is, yeah. it is. Well, even uh, when COVID came out and they were labeling it as an elective procedure, I was like, oh my gosh, that makes it sound like I'm getting my boobs done or something. Right. <laughs> no, no, no offense <laughs> to anybody who's gotten their boobs done, but it just was like, this is not an elective procedure. I'm not like, you know, I didn't sign up for this. Right. Right. I know. I know. Oh, it's such, it's such a mess. I just, I, I wish it were, it was more recognized. And I feel like the more we talk about it, um, 
the more changes we can make. But I really feel like uh, I need to follow my own words or the thoughts that I have all the time, which is I need to write to my senator. I need to write to whoever, and I need to make to work on making some changes within the the government because really within the U.S. that's how we make changes, and so uh, we got a voice. Now we are finally opening up and having a voice where we haven't had a voice in this community because we've all been too embarrassed in a way. Like it's been too, um, maybe not necessarily embarrassed is the right word to describe it, but it's been almost like, you know, hush, hush, like, mm-hmm. um, or like just go what's the right word that. deal with that in the corner, you know, right. be quiet about that. You know, we don't mm-hmm. talk about that. You know, it taboo. Mm-hmm. It's been taboo. Yes, that's the word. Yes. (laughs) You got me, girl. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And so hopefully with all of us really like banding together, whether we are, you know, talking or not, whether we're friends or not, uh, hopefully we are banding together and and rallying together and saying, hey, there needs to be some changes. And so I wish that that would be um, a priority, but maybe we need to just make it that way. You know, we need to use our voices and, and to share that. Um, And I also think that like something that I'm trying to do more is like in the dialogue that I have um, in the dialogue that I have with um, with friends, you know, that when they maybe make an ignorant comment, you know, um, it's an opportunity to educate, you know, 100 percent opportunity to educate my friend. I love her to bits. Um, a couple months ago, she gave me a suggestion about going to see some herbalist and acupuncturist in Northern California. And I kindly said, I said, I love you so much. And I know that this is coming from a loving place, um, but I'm not in a place where I can receive suggestions like that. And we're kind of past the point of... um, using, you know, holistic medicine, you know? Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh my gosh, thank you for telling me. Like, I, I hate it when people give me unsolicited, unsolicited advice. Why did I do that to you? You know? So like, it actually turned out to be a really like wonderful, powerful moment between the two of us. And like, I think we have to, we have to take this opportunity to, to educate people about where we're at. hundred percent. Yes. hundred percent. No, that's awesome. I'm so glad things turned out well with that situation. Oh, I know. Really people could be like, what, what do you mean? You know, and get all defensive. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I've been there. I've done that. Totally. Totally. But it was like, oh, it was, it was just beautiful that like not all moments of confrontation can be hostile. You know, right? It's it was a nice totally. reminder. Um, yes. Well, to wrap things up, what suggestions, if any, do you have for people who are struggling with infertility? I would say to find a community, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook. Personally, to me, I think the Facebook groups are. I don't join them. I'm not a part of the Facebook type community. Um, but I would say, you know, find community somewhere, whether it's there, whether there's fertility groups within your church or your city or, you know, within your friends. I community has been the best thing for me, besides faith. Uh, I'd say without my faith, I 
I would not have been able to make it through all of this crap or to have the hope to keep going. There's just no way. Um, and when you feel like (laughs) you have no faith and you have no community, you just seriously feel like you're so lost and you're so alone. And like, what's the point, Mm -hmm. right? What's the point to not necessarily the point to keep going, but just like, it makes it even harder. And so, um, I cannot thank my Instagram community and my YouTube community enough because I've said to so many people, um, you know, you've become my friends. Yeah. Uh, It's easier for me to reach out to so many people that I've met on Instagram than it is maybe some of my friends who have kids who don't really understand it. Right. It's not that I don't love those friends, but they just don't understand the situation. They want to be there for me. They just don't know how. Um, And then another thing, of course, is be your own advocate. I wish I would have been my own advocate. I wish I would have done more research before IVF cycle, our first one, instead of just trusting the doctor, right? Like, look into the medication. Um, Yeah, be your own advocate because nobody is going to fight for this more than you. Nobody wants this more than you. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. I actually even had a doctor tell me one time, not a fertility doctor, but a different type of doctor say that like when she has patients that come in with questions, it puts her on her toes. Like she's like, really? Yeah. She was like, I, you know, cause you know, being a physician is just like any other job. You know, you're kind of just trying to like, sometimes you're just going through the motions, you know? And if you have somebody who, you know, you got to be alert and like paying attention to when they're in the room, it like changes the game a little bit. Right. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. Well, how can people follow you and your journey, Carissa? Oh my goodness. Well, you can follow me on Instagram. It's at Carissa Barzi. So it's C-A-R-I-S-S-A-B-A-R-Z-E-E. I don't know why I just spelled it out, but <laughs> I just did. Right. Maybe it's because everyone never, like nobody spells it right. Um, we're also on Instagram. No, we're also on YouTube. Uh, Carissa and Brian is our YouTube channel. And um, we also have Rory, our cute dog. And uh, yeah, that's how you can find me. Oh, wonderful. Well, or email. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh my goodness, Millie. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved it. This has been so wonderful. And like, we cried, we laughed, we covered the whole, the whole picture, you know, I really appreciate it. And, um, we'll be in touch. Yeah, girl, we will. Oh my gosh. Thank you. All right. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of me, myself and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at me, myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like, and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks cutie bombs and see you next week.